It looks a little different up here this morning. I bet you're thinking, wow, the preacher shaved or, or didn't shave, depending on what side you look at. But um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nick Crawford. I'm the community group's pastor here at Fondren Church. Um, thankful for the opportunity to speak. Uh, thankful to be mic'd up. That's, that's new to me. Uh, so if you guys see me fidgeting with the microphone, uh, just give me grace. I need it. But um, let me pray before we get to uh, what we're doing today. Father, we need you. I need you. Um, I worship with Topher. I'm aware of uh, my imperfections, um, but not more aware of them than you are. I'm thankful that I know you. I'm thankful that you chose to know me. Uh, Father, we are going to hear some stories today. Um, and though I'm a different preacher, I pray that the message is still the same. Christ crucified and risen for us. I pray that be the story that is um, proclaimed here. And uh, that it will penetrate the hearts of any who have not met you yet. It's in your son's name, I pray. Amen. You like stories? Sure you do. Everybody likes a good story. Fiction, nonfiction. Tall tales, long lies, scary ghost stories, fireside chats. There's not a whole lot better than a good story because a good story will move you, give you something to chew on and think about, call you out, let your imagination run wild. Take me for example. Anytime I see the movie Rudy come on TV, I look at myself and I'm like, I'm five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, and I see myself in the story. I see myself putting on the gold helmet, tearing around the end to sack the Georgia Tech quarterback with two seconds left on the clock. I can dream, right? And every time I see that story, I see myself in it. Because that's what a good story really does. A really good story allows you to see yourself in it as if you have a role in the action. That's a good story. And I can tell you, there's a story like that in play here at Fondren Church. And that story has many characters, and it intersects the lives of far too many to count. It's a story hatched by a master storyteller who's not done writing yet. And you're going to hear some stories this morning, stories from people just like you and me, imperfect, but aware that God has given them something. These are stories of service, how they're serving, what they're gonna serve. And the reason why each of them serve is the same. They serve, they give, because they're aware that they were first given to. Let's meet some of the characters. Would you guys come up? got John and Lindsay Lassiter, Josh and Mariah Carver, some cuties coming up. Look at this. My goodness. What's up, man? Batman. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
from my left all the way down, we got Kristen Richardson, Lindy West, John Lasseter, Lindsay Lasseter, Mariah Carver, her husband Josh, and Emily Hood. You all know Emily Hood. Let's hear some stories, guys. Lindy and Kristen, you guys got a pretty cool service project going on. Tell us about it. What's going on? and she hadn't had Vivi yet. So, well, no, you did, but she was she's too little. So I thought, I was like, you know what? I had this outfit and we only got to wear it once. And I wanted another opportunity. And I was like, we have tons of kids. We help in the nursery. And so I was like, we have tons of kids. Why not ask some kids to come and do this? And we thought we could host it at one of our houses. And then all of a sudden it got really big. And I was like, well, we may need to call Emily. And Emily was all for it. So. That's where the idea came up, and it kind of just took off from there. So give us some details about the fall festival. Where is it? When is it? Um, it is taking place Wednesday, October the 28th. It is from 5.30 to 7.30. It is going to be um, in Fondren Park, kind of across or next to Pig and Pint, back there in that corner. Um, and a great opportunity for our kids and um, all the neighboring kids around to come and have fun and just fellowship with everyone and, and also an ability for the community groups to get involved because I know we were all like challenged at the beginning of the year to like find a project to get involved in and we all prayed and we were like, what do we do, what do we do? And I think this may be our project and um, a project that involves all the other groups and an opportunity to get involved. What, what, what exactly was it that uh, kind of motivated you guys to take this task on? I'm not really sure. Maybe we just thought that um, they need another opportunity to wear their costume, but <laughs> we wanted to be able to give back. I, I loved Fall Festival as a kid. It was some of my most favorite memories, and I just wanted Vivi to be able to have that and all the other children at Fondren. And what, what, what role has your community group played in the process? Um, we really have challenged them to use their legs. We need, we need bodies. We need people to serve. We need hands to make posters. We have people who are artistic. We have men that have trucks. Um, and we just have bodies, and that's what we need. We need bodies to help us have fun and love on these kids and to feed them with tons of candy and send them home. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Isn't that something? They birthed this out of their own imagination. Nobody told them to do it. They did it on their own accord. Um, they're finding themselves play a part in a larger story that's taking place here at Fondren Church. They figured, you know, we're going to trick or treat. We're going we're gonna to trick and we're going to treat anyways. Uh, so why not make that into an opportunity to join communities together? Um, they're building a bridge, guys. Not a fence. They're going, and they're serving, and I think it's pretty cool. John Lasseter. Hey. What's up? <laughs> See you guys. Thank you. John, where are you serving? Where are you and Lindsay serving? 
Lindsay's going to take this one. I'm Lindsay. This is John again, and we serve in the nursery with the two to three-year-olds, and um, have been doing that since shortly after our church moved to this building. Mm-hmm. What motivated you guys to start serving in the nursery? Well, uh, we've been attending Fondren Church since pretty close to the beginning, uh, you know, since we were at Dueling, and um, actually, I think the thing that first sparked my interest, I guess, or gave me a desire to serve in this area is when I was pregnant with our daughter, um, and we had kind of just started attending Fondren, and, um, you know, trying to become more involved, and all of that, um, Laura McAlpin came to my house and prayed over me and prayed for Ellis, and I did not know her, had never met her, and um, that just made a big impression on me about, you know, what the children's ministry is in this church and how seriously they take, you know, building the foundation of faith in our children. And so I think that's what initially gave me a desire to serve here. And then when we moved over to this building, um, I just volunteered. And, um, and from there, we've been helping ever since. My passion came later. <laughs> my passion for the nursery came after my wife told me we were going to do it. <laughs> I, seriously, um, I can speak for first-time parents that you, um, you know, you're trying to find a church home, and one of the many considerations, a major consideration for us, is if we could trust some people with our daughter for an hour and 15, hour and 30, hour and 45 minutes sometimes. Thanks, Robert. Um, and, uh, and at that point, uh, we, we found that here, and, and we actually became more comfortable, I think, leaving Ellis here than even in her daycare that she spends five days a week at. And, and that's a testament to the volunteers here, and, and we just wanted to give that uh, to other parents. And, and it's, a big, it's a big part of why young uh, parents decide on a church, we think. And, and we wanted to be a part of that and bless others the same way we were blessed. Yes. That's awesome. I think there are a lot of people that, that want to serve. They just don't know exactly what the commitment is. Like, how often do you guys serve, and uh, can you speak specifically to, to what age group you serve? Um, again, we're with the two and three year olds and we serve once a month, rotating with all the other volunteers in the nursery and the um, wonderful people that prepare everything behind the scenes, make it really easy. Emily and Mariana and Ashley Hightower, um, they totally prepare a lesson every week and email it to us a week beforehand. We have time to kind of look over it um, before that Sunday and then um, when we get there, everything is laid out in a very organized way, um, from the craft projects we're going to do to the Bible story. Um, it, really, it, it really makes it where we just get to do the fun part, and everything is totally there preparation-wise. And so, you know, all of that is thanks to them. But um, It's nursery for dummies. <laughs> I mean, they put it all in a packet and give it to you. I'm pretty sure I could do it by myself. I've never tried it. Thank God Lindsay's there, but I'm pretty sure I could. <laughs> it's very, very simple, thanks to them. But, um, but yeah, so we just we go through that lesson plan. It's broken down for the, for the hour we're there. And 
like I said, you know, Bible story and crafts for the kids to do and a little free time sometimes. And of course, sometimes with two-year-olds, three-year-olds, you don't know exactly how it's going to go or if you're going to get to every part. But, um, but it really is awesome to see how the curriculum that they've chosen works for, um, you know, is so age-specific and you can just see how it reaches their little minds and, you know, how our daughter, you know, you might think during the hour that, you know, is, are they really getting it or are they, you know, is this sticking with them? And then, you know, three weeks later she'll say our memory verse or, you know, say God takes care of me. And um, so that's awesome. That's, yeah. Now you guys serve together, right? Yes. How, how has that helped your own marriage back home? You know, it's funny you ask that. <laughs> When we got that question, we thought about it, and we were like, you know, if you want to make your marriage more harmonious, what you should do is add eight to 12 two-year-olds once a month and just see what happens, you know. Um, and so, <laughs> but it's actually been, it's, it's been terrific. We had to think about it a little bit, and Lindsay and I, we work full-time, and so when we get home, we're, we're pulled in different directions. Uh, there's things to do around the house. There's watching your child. And it always seems, although we're working towards a common goal, that we're running in different directions. And so one of the blessings of serving has been spending, you know, some time with Lindsay in a common goal in front of us. Uh, you know, it's two hours that's pretty special. And, uh, and it's kind of become routine. So uh, it's, it's brought us together a little bit longer to do something common when, when that's so rare, I think, in our busy lives. So. And having served in, in the nursery here, what would you say some needs are? Well, the American Pediatric Society says that churches who have nurseries should have a ratio adult to child three to one in the infant classrooms and four to five to one in the two to three-year-olds. I just made that up last night. That's not true. <laughs> but those numbers seemed reasonable enough to me. And uh, <laughs> we haven't met those numbers yet. Uh, I just want you to know. And, and so... Emily has the task of shuffling things around. Um, you know, you'll, you'll go in unsuspected thinking you're gonna have three-year-olds and then all of a sudden you'll be changing diapers in a nursery room uh, for an hour, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Um, so, give or take. But, you know, you know, not only are there needs in the classrooms um, and, and the more volunteers, and we have, we have a blessing, there's, there's a lot of young kids over there and that's a great thing to have in a church. I don't know if you've ever been a member of a church that didn't have a thriving nursery, but it's a beautiful thing. It's the future of our church. And I would like to believe that we can have some uh, serious volunteers on that level. That's not just about keeping kids. Uh, you need security uh, during that hour, floaters, uh, parents that kind of walk around and make sure everything's going correctly. You got people to check them in. Um, the curriculum, you know, if it were a collaborative thing, uh, I think it'd be pretty easy to do when it's left to one or two adults uh, to put the entire curriculum together, I bet it's pretty tedious. So there's a need there, and I hope that this church will continue to meet it. So. And, and last one for you guys. What, what has this taught you, serving in the nursery? Um, yeah, you know, kind of what I said earlier, um, partially just, um, just the impact it makes, you know, on the kids, which is obvious, but, um, but at the same time, it's, it's just been really cool to see um, just having the opportunity to serve in this area um, you know as busy as they are and um, 
and all of that, you know, just how much they really are willing to, to hear and soak up stories and how it does stick with them um, and just getting to be a part of, of that, which I feel is um, such an important thing for our church and, um, and as a mom and as a parent. Um, also, really just getting to form relationships and friendships with the other adults that serve in this area has been, you know, a part I probably didn't think about as much on the front end, but um, most weeks, um, you know, it, it changes up some, but most weeks we've served with Emily and Tyler Moore and, um, you know, formed friendship with them and others, and they are so wonderful. They don't have children of their own and are <laughs> been married like three weeks and <laughs> serve in the nursery every, every month, but, um, but that, has, that has been a great gift to us too, just, just the fellowship of serving with others there. Yeah, yeah it, it really is about Christian community, and um, with Ellis, I mean, she has made friends in these nurseries. She speaks of her church friends as much or more so than she does her daycare friends, um, and there is something absolutely humbling and wonderful about watching kids of that age that can soak in the stories you grew up with, the truths you grew up with, and to be a part of that. So it, it's, it's been wonderful. So that is, that is good stuff. Also, I just need to brag on them for a second. It's so fun to watch them serve in the nursery because they have so much fun with it. And especially when John was saying that, I mean, he maybe didn't even want to do it at first and was kind of dragged into it. But y'all, if you have not seen John Lasseter interpretive dance with two-year-olds, <laughs> you are really missing out on something beautiful. So that alone should be worth it. Yeah, it's hard to get this much weight moving, but I do it for the kids, so... I'd like to see that dance sometime, John. <laughs> Let's make that happen. No, but this is great. I mean, y'all, church doesn't exist only in the sanctuary. It, it happens down the hall, too. And I'm very thankful for the Lassiters um, and others. I'm looking out and seeing literally, you know, dozens of faces that serve in the nursery and help church exist to our little ones. Uh, that's the next generation, and that's where it starts, guys. Uh, we need some help. Um, and there's opportunities to serve one another, obviously, through the nursery. Josh and Mariah Carver, you guys are burdened for a particular community. What is that community? Um, we have started serving towards the end of last year with the college ministry, um, and that started as simple as Will and Molly asking us if we'd be willing to come, and we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll try it out. Um, and then we were there and really sat down with each other and just after a couple of weeks of being there on Sunday nights um, and asking ourselves, is this a place we can serve? Do we feel called to it? Um, and just remembering back, I mean, we're out of college, barely, not even two years. Um, and so just thinking back to what we wanted at that time, and we wanted consistency and just people who would be honest with us. Um, and the time that the college group meets fits with our schedules, which was a big thing. We wanted to be consistent in our serving. Um, and so we needed to pick something that fit with our life. Um, and that doesn't always sound like the way you go into service, but for us, it needed to be. Um, and just realized we could give the consistency and our stance as a couple in college was we were always gonna be honest if people asked us how we were, gonna, how we were doing. We weren't gonna fluff it. Um, and that isn't always something you run into. It's easier to say, oh, we're doing great, or we're solid as a couple. Um, but 
we knew we wanted people to show their scars, and so we felt called to do the same, um, and just feel very, very much that same calling now. Um, we don't, we don't claim to have wisdom necessarily to share, but honesty, um, which is what we wanted. So we're willing to do that. Sure, and, and of course, Molly and Will ask you to serve too. But tell us where you work, also. I work at Bellhaven University. Um, I'm over student activities there, um, and love it. Um, and just, I mean, it seems logical that I'd be serving in the college ministry, working at a college. Um, but a lot of what we've been talking about this year is serving where you're at and realizing that it's not overloading it to be serving at my job and at the college ministry, um, but that it makes sense that I'm actually to able to make lasting connections there um, and follow up with people because it fits in my work schedule. And I'll let... Yeah. Uh, uh, and another thing, we're, we're both MC grads, so um, being in this community with a bunch of NC students, Millsap students, Bellhaven students, we kind of know, you know, a little bit where they're they're coming from. Um, when we first started coming to Fondren Church, we were sitting where they are now. Um, we were trying to find a job. We were trying to graduate. We were trying to see what our lives as a married couple would be. Um, when we did that, uh, and we just had so many good people pour into us when we first started coming here that we really felt that um, it was time for us to pour back to them. Yeah. And tell us what serving college students looks like. What do you guys do? Um, well, we drink coffee and eat donuts on Sunday mornings. I think that's what everybody thinks. <laughs> no, that's what we do. <laughs> no, um, we do. At 9.30 we meet, or 9.45, um, we meet and have coffee and donuts. But it's just a time to catch up and touch base. Um, and then we have large group on Sunday nights. Um, and a lot of that is hanging out. We do talk. There's usually a short, um, like Mitchell present or Molly will, or we'll discuss the sermon. Um, but it's really about being there, um, having a time to touch base with with each other and then we feel very much called to be there whenever they need us outside of that um, whether it's going to Fondren's first Thursday and knowing we'll see a crowd of them or um, making time to have to have lunch with them both of our jobs allow us to do that um, and so we think it makes sense we're right here we can meet up with people at Bellhaven easily but even Clinton's not that far away it feels like it but it's not um, so just um, being there on Sundays consistently um, but also being there throughout the week what have you guys learned from serving in college, college ministry? Um, it's easy. <laughs> you would think, you know, she, she said we're here Sunday morning, we're Sunday afternoon, we're throughout the week. But when you're serving um, in a community or in a group that is natural for you to serve in, it's a lot easier to do that. So um, with our, our community group, it's geared towards serving, you know, college students. So I have a group of guys we meet once a week who are keeping me accountable with, with what we're doing throughout the, the month or the semester and how we're um, serving the college kids. So I have accountability there and it just, it just, it's just easy, you know. Um, God's blessed up with two great jobs that are really close to, um, like you said, Bellhaven and downtown. So um, we've had that opportunity to serve, and it's not been a burden by any means. And, and our college kids are probably the best group of guys and girls that you will ever meet. So if you haven't met any of them, take your time to go and talk to them. They're really, really awesome. Has serving in this way uh, changed your perception of what authentic community really looks like? 
Yes. Um, this year, um, our small group is functioning as a missional community group, and that means a whole lot of things. But it basically, the whole premise of it is being in community where you already are. It's not adding more to your schedule. It's not adding new aspects. It's seeing the opportunities God has given you in, in front of you and making the most of them and just realizing that our jobs already center around college students. Our lives line up with theirs, um, like the free times or the times that college group meets. Ours also are free and we can make that time. Um, and so just the perspective of oh, the community's right in front of us. We didn't have to go somewhere and find it. Um, we just had to make the most of what was there. And how has this impacted your marriage, serving together? Well, it's pretty lucky for me because she counts it as quality time, and she's a quality time girl, if y'all know the five large languages. So it's a win-win for me. I, I enjoy, you know, hanging out with college students. Um, that's been a big passion of mine, but it's, it's been great. We, we keep each other accountable more. Um, we're together more on the weekends. We're not just sitting on the couch watching TV or watching football, anything like that. It's, it's actually keeping us in a rhythm and um, making us grow together um, and separately with our walks with God. So it's been great. That is good. Thank you all. Thank you. You know, a lot of people, I think, um, me included, when you get, you know, a church tells you, well, you know, Jesus tells you to go and serve and do and uh, I think there tends to be a perception that you're, you're adding to your schedule. Well, you don't have to do that. Uh, you can just look at where you are, the things that you already do, and uh, bring the gospel with you wherever you go. I don't think it involves adding to schedules that are already maxed out. Um, so I think, um, well, I, I applaud you guys for doing that because that's something that I need to hear, that we all need to hear for sure. Let's bring it down to Emily. You lead a community group. I do. Tell us about that group that you lead. I lead a community group on Sunday evenings for a few girls who, a lot of our women's group meets during the weeks, but I have a group of girls where the week doesn't work for them, so we meet on Sunday evenings. And a few weeks ago, when we first started this Micah 6-8 series, we just started talking and brainstorming in our group about what we can do um, to serve, like we really wanted to serve together as a group. And we kept talking and brainstorming, talking about our different church partnerships, like in church and outside of church, and just really trying to figure out what would fit for us. And threw out a bunch of ideas and then said, like, okay, let's wait, let's think on it for a week, and we'll come back next week. And as I was thinking throughout the week, I was, um, I was spent quite a, few, quite a few hours in a car, and I do some of my best thinking there. And I was just really praying through this, and I just kept, the only thing I really heard the Lord, like, say clearly was Fondren Park, Fondren Park, Fondren Park. And um, so the more I thought about it, I was like, I love Fondren Park because one of the things that is like in the natural rhythms of my schedule is I get to hang out with a lot of kids in Red Door. Shout out up top. Um, and some of our kiddos are in the balcony. Hey, Junior. And we hang out with these kids on Tuesday afternoons every week. And where do y'all like to hang out on the weekends? At Fondren Park. So these kids are at the park all the time on the weekends. And um, so for me, I'm like, that's an easy thing where I would love to go spend more time with them. And so I just kind of had this weird idea of, hey, girls, like, what do you think if we just did what we were already going to do, had 
our community group went through the same, like the sermon guide, our Bible study, but just did it in Fondren Park instead of meeting in church or at a house. And last week, I think you shared with me that something pretty cool happened. Yeah. Why don't so, you tell us about it? Yeah, so last week was our first time. We, instead of meeting in a house, we just decided to meet at Fondren Park. And all of my girls, they'd never been to Fondren Park before, had no idea how to get there, um, gave them directions. Um, and they got there, and there were a bunch of kids hanging out on the playground, um, a bunch of boys playing football like it normally is. It was a beautiful afternoon last Sunday. And so we all sat down on a picnic bench at a table, and I forgot something in my car. So I walked back to my car, and as I walked back, I saw that there was a lady sitting on a bench by herself, and just something really was pulling me to, like, just go speak to her, go say hey. So I walked over to this lady and introduced myself and um, asked her for a name and asked her if she had a kid playing, and she told me that her brother was out there playing football and asked me what I was doing there at the park. And I just told her that we were about to have a Bible study, and I asked her if she wanted to come join us. And she looked at me for a second and said, okay. <laughs> so she came over, and she sat with us the entire time, and it was beautiful. Um, she has not been to church since she was a really little girl and um, did not seem to know a whole lot about the gospel, but was super open and honest with us and shared a lot of really personal things from her life. And um, allowed us to pray with her and to pray over her. And um, we exchanged contact information at the end and like I hope and pray that like we'll be able to have continued relationship with her. But regardless of that, I think it was just like a really beautiful experience in a way that the Lord really just brought someone who needed to hear a little bit of his love and his encouragement. And he used our group to, as like the vessel to do that. And it was simply because we just chose to be in a different place that allowed us to kind of like live interruptible lives, which was really cool. And, and you've told us about your passion for West Fondren. What did that experience with the young lady on a bench do for the rest of your group? Yeah, I mean, I think they were excited. I think that, um, I think some people can be kind of, some people are afraid of things that they don't know or things they haven't experienced before. And I think sometimes when you think about different areas of town, um, some people are just uncomfortable going there. And I think that when you, if you can establish relationships with people, like the fear disappears when you have relationships established. And so I think that they all got really excited um, just about the opportunity to create relationships with people who are different from us. Like I don't interact with a lot of people. Um, that live in, I mean, I'm living in Brandon right now, and one of the things that I love most about Fondren Church is that we are, like, in this beautiful neighborhood, and there are so many different kinds of people, like, all around the neighborhood, and I just, I really don't want to be the kind of person who only hangs out with people who look like me, talk like me, think like me, have the same education as me, um, but in order to experience life with people who are different than me, like, I have to get myself into a place where I'm, where I'm allowing the Lord to bring someone in, just being interruptible and going to different places. Like instead of going to, um, like going to the Kroger, like go to the pig, go to the Piggly Wiggly or some places like that, and just allow um, yourself to go into kind of break up. Like do the same things you normally do, but in different places. And the Lord might bring people into your life that you might have not met otherwise. That's that's fine. That's really cool and fantastic. You know. I'm, I thank Emily for uh, leading the group. Our, as you guys know, our, our church is growing. Uh, Community is a big deal here. We, we believe in the power of it, how uh, we can come around each other and experience uh, authentic, community, authentic community. We can experience those beautiful and uh, storied one another's and all throughout Scripture. Uh, Emily's leading the group. We need more leaders. Um, and we need more leaders who are willing to be interruptible 
Uh, I certainly need that. I'm a routine kind of guy. I wake up at the same time, try to go to bed at the same time, but rarely am I ever interruptible. Um, and as I've started uh, working here at Fonder and Church, I've been intentional about keeping my door open. Um, that's uh, symbolic. Uh, if you're ever up here, my door is always open. Uh, please help me become more interruptible uh, in, in the ways that I lead. Uh, and that's something you guys can do uh, for me. Uh, I'd appreciate that. Um, but that's that, guys. That's four stories that are still being written. And um, I've been tasked with the responsibility to wrap up this experience, this Micah 6-8 experience. So as I do that, let me turn to the Word, and the Word presents us with a question. What does the Lord require of you, O man, but to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. It's three things carried along by three active verbs. Let's look at them real quick before we close. Do justice. I think to do justice, you kind of got to know what it is, what doing justice means. Biblically, doing justice involves entering into controversy. Entering into controversy. Uh, it kind of involves pleading a case to reach the Lord's verdict. Um, and doing it obviously involves action. It involves looking out, seeing causes and places where justice is missing and bringing it to those causes and places. In other words, it involves seeking out injustice, turning toward it, and walking to it. And while you're walking to it, bringing justice along with you. Now, I'll tell you, bringing justice to unjust causes, that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. But before we start thinking that doing these good things props us up above someone else or even saves us, let's hold the phone. Because if we start thinking like that, we're going to miss the second point. We will never understand what loving mercy looks like. Because I'll tell you this. <clears throat> If you feel like you're generally a good person because of all these good things you do, you're likely to feel as though you don't need much mercy. And if you feel like you don't need much mercy, you're very unlikely to give it to others because you will not have tasted how sweet it is. But, on the other hand, if you're aware of your imperfections, if you're aware, like me, of times where you stared injustice in the face, and either been the cause of it or have run from it, yet, in spite of that inaction, that God has showered mercy upon mercy upon mercy on your life, then I believe you will know how sweet mercy is. And it's then you will likely give it to others because you're aware that you were first given to. That perception that kind of perception change, that secondary giving perception is what will bring us to the third point, walking humbly with the Lord your God. This isn't some sort of false humility. This isn't, um, it's not Barney Fife telling Andy Griffith, oh, shucks, Andy, I didn't, I didn't do anything to become the hero while selfishly harboring the desire to seek recognition for something that he just kind of lucked into. That's not the kind of humility we're talking about. Walking humbly with the Lord your God involves an understanding 
that you have nothing and are nothing without the Savior who gave you everything. Let me say that again. Walking humbly with God involves an understanding that you have nothing and are nothing without Jesus, the Savior, who gave you everything. And that's that. That's it. That's the story. You've heard some stories here. You've heard some good stories. You've heard of what good stories are, how they make you feel like you're a part of them, as if you have a role in the action. These stories were just a sample of the greater story that's still being written here. I'm, again, I'm looking out at faces, I can tell you. I can probably rattle off several others right now, um, but these are just the stories that we pulled. We've talked about, again, how good stories make you feel like you're part of the action. And I began this little wrap-up with a question, what does the Lord require of you? So I'll, I'll conclude it in the same way. Let me ask you this, where do you see yourself in the bigger story that's being written here at Fondren Church? Think about it. Where do you see yourself in this story that the master storyteller still writes? If you're searching for an answer, let me just tell you, look around. What injustices do you see? What is your heart burdened for? Because that's the heart of the story that's being written here. Whatever burdens your heart, that's what's going on. That's what God wants to write. He's using you to go to things that are unjust. So let's go. Let's give. And let's let our motivation to do so be this. We give because he first gave to us.